Welcome to Critical Thinking Required, hosted by LBW. Our goal is simple. We want to challenge you to think differently about finance and business. Join us and start the journey today. In the last part of price versus value fight, we talked about stocks price versus value. Price is simply what the market is willing to pay today. In the moment, price is arbitrary and value is fundamental. Nathaniel explained why they are often different and the disconnect between these two is what good investors look for. A cheaper price for a higher value. It doesn't matter what kind of investor you are, growth focused, value focused, international focused. In the end, the goal is the same, just with different applications. Nathaniel gave great examples of how irrational markets could be. And Tim added that you shouldn't replicate other investors' portfolio without understanding their reasonings for buying and selling. I was talking to Nathaniel earlier today about this is even reading Robert Schiller's narrative economics. It's a fascinating, the power of just a story <laughs> and what that can do to financial markets and to, and to stocks. We work could be an example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the narrative around it was that it's this best, greatest thing in the world. Right. I mean, you could go back to, I'm assuming, which I honestly don't know much about it, but if you're looking at Enron or if you're looking at some of these bigger companies that have failed, what was the narrative prior to the company going bankrupt or being fraudulent and what was you know and then what was the narrative afterwards a narrative drives a lot of people to to a certain thing because of what they're not doing is they're not doing what you're doing and sitting down and saying what's the fundamentals forget the noise as you like to say what's really going on within the business mm. bitcoin is a really good example of that too bitcoin was a narrative that everybody was just so afraid of fear of missing out which is our first <laughs> one of our first part podcasts we did yeah but that narrative and that drive will drive people just to want to be in it because they're going to miss out on something. Mm-hmm. What should, happens is because we know now it's a secondary market, people will buy it, which then means we're going to increase the price. Such a narrative in those kind of situations can entirely set the price. And Potentially. That price may not mean the value is ever at that point or ever will get to that point because they're really very independent concepts, price and value. They may not correlate as we've been discussing. And, and that leads me to actually a question that I think both of you are very capable in answering. But when we speak about the disconnect between those two, we know that the overall market is increasingly being made up of retailers, meaning non-professional investors. Oh, retail, and, retail investors. Mm-hmm. Okay. it's a good clarification. So do we expect then... Being that price and value is such a hard concept for people to 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 separate from, do we expect that to see possibly greater discrepancies between price and value going forward? I think uh, oh, that's such a loaded question. I think that I love giving you loaded questions. And in what marketplace? <laughs> well, okay. So there's a lot of there's a lot of variables at play to Dan's question. So. On one hand, we've seen a, uh, the markets since the recession steadily increase, right? We've seen three to four times returns in the uh, S&P 500. I don't know what it's set today. Uh, that is the number, the amount of return. But what's interesting is that there's also been, I wonder if we've briefly touched on this before, what was it? Recently, the, the amount invested in indexed vehicles past the 50% mark. Yeah, I think it was is like, it worldwide or just in the U.S. market? I don't, don't know that one. Let's just say the U.S. market to That's be safe. to say. So what happened was that the amount of money in the U.S. stock markets that is in, within passive index vehicles past the 50% mark, 
all money invested in the stock market. And that has been steadily increasing, especially since the uh, Great Recession. The number of vehicles that are, have been made available to the public, these passive investment vehicles, have been made available to via like Fidelity and Vanguard, but also principally within employer 401ks. And pension plans as well. And pension plans as well. So as things have been good, as more people, the, the employment has gone down, hence more people are employed, that means that more money is going into these employer-sponsored plans. And as things have been good, then the more money has gone into these vehicles. But what's going to happen when things don't go as well? What happens if the markets fall, let's say the S&P 500 falls 20% in the next two years? Many people now have control over what funds they are invested in, not only in their 401ks, but any accounts outside of that in, the, in these passive vehicles. If they get scared, what's going to happen to those vehicles? They're going to be pulling money out of them. What happens when you pull money out? That means that those funds that have been invested in the indices, for example, the S&P 500, those funds are going to have to sell the shares, the underlying companies, shares of those indices and then the prices will fall because they'll be forced sellers if you're a forced seller then you can't dictate your price if you can't dictate your price and you have to typically accept a lower price than what they may think it's worth in this event though these index runners these index um, managers the fund managers they're not thinking about what the shares are worth they're just indiscriminately selling those shares to get the, the proceeds. So it's a mixed bag. It's, I think that it's going to be more volatility for, the, for companies' prices because more retail investors have been entering the market. They have uh, more access to information. They have lower trading costs. There's more trading vehicles, these passive index vehicles. I think that there's going to be more volatility as a result, especially as things either as, especially as markets go down or they go sideways because pe now that people have the tool set to go and invest in whatever they so choose, they're not going to be, Mr. Market is now going to be more subject to the underlying factor that drives markets, which is people. So, and if you were to say from the passive, from the indexing standpoint, which means there's no, what your quote or what you're explaining is price discovery. Right. When you talk about doing valuations, you're trying to do price discovery. What is this truly worth? Not and necessarily. And passive vehicles don't do that. Yep. And if the more we have in passive vehicles, we go to 50 to 60 to 70 percent, the less people like you out there are actually looking at price discovery, which means that theoretically could create a lot of discrepancies or disjointment between price and value like we've been talking about. Right. And which is interesting is if everyone likes to quote John Bogle, mm. right? Um and he did mention in the past that he felt the market could handle, I believe it was 80%. Yeah, I think it was 70 to 80%. 78-8% before he felt it would be a problem for the market. So to be clear, John Bogle, founder of Vanguard, yep. and you're referencing 70 to 80% in passive yes. indexing vehicles. Yes, and okay. I believe that would probably be applied to the U.S. markets, not, yes. not worldwide. Agreed. But we're all, you know, if we reach to that point, 
we may be in a position, thinking out loud here, back when we were in like the 30s or 40s or 50s where the information wasn't vast enough to do as great of price discovery. Mm. Because a lot of people, when you're looking at active managers in the United States specifically, mm. not talking about international, it's a different ballgame, that they'll say there's so much information already at hand for investors that the markets are pricing it appropriately. Right. You know, there is no new information. But if you start removing that from the equation, all of a sudden you may be reverting back to where there isn't price discovery and there is going to be greater discrepancies in the future, which is weird because we have all this information. It's so fascinating. You know, it's like it's like reverting back to times. I just thought that was is interesting. No, you, you bring up an excellent point. Um, I think that it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I can, I, I, and this is just one person. I just can't help thinking about, I had a conversation many years ago with an engineer and he knew what I did for a living, and he just proceeded to volunteer this information. He he told me, he asked me he just proceeded to tell me that during the crisis he was invested in all equities in these in this in an index fund, and at, at the depths of the crisis when prices were at their lowest, he pulled it out and he placed it into a fixed income investment vehicle, uh, just an index fixed income. And <laughs> it's, I think it's, I think there will be situations like that happening again, where people will pull their money out as they panic and they'll stick it all in cash or fixed income. And what I always has, what has happened in time immemorial, markets will rebound. And we always have to remember what, cons- what comprises of markets, which is people. So eventually going back to the quote, that Tim mentioned. In the short run, the market is a voting machine, but in the long run, it is a weighing machine. That sentiment, time immemorial, has held true. So, which goes back to, if you're not utilizing price discovery, then there is a there is a dearth of information. There is a lack thereof. People are not utilizing price discovery, which is only to active investors like us advantage active investors can hold on for that long right passive has taken away flows because you're looking at supply and demand and Mm -hmm. indexing is taking away from that i mean they're forced selling you know an active manager out because they have to sell because they're just removing money and shifting it somewhere else in the market so if you continue to do in that path there will be less and less active managers because they just don't have the money to invest i mean you're already seeing it especially in the past few years it's, it's accelerated where yeah. active managers have been essentially pushed out of the market because their clients are no longer putting up with their lack of a performance but look at how long their lack of a performance has lasted it's been less than it's been around the 10 year mark from the from the recession yeah what you need to pay attention to is their records since if they've been in business since like the late 90s or early 90s. I mean, the longer you, you, you play it out, the more the, the, the it's, a, it's a minority, unfortunately, a minority of active investors do beat the market. You got to find the right one. So you have to place your trust in the right people, which is we understand it's hard to do. But I, I just want to reiterate that you have to give an active investor time, an active manager time for their theories to play out. And, and I think that the majority of them will likely come to fruition. I also like to touch on another point. I know that it sounds like we're bashing indexing or not. I mean, the, the, the structure, the, the, the methodology behind indexing is sound. The application, the execution 
of indexing is where the problem is. It's people. It's the average Joe going to their 401k and investing in the S&P 500 and then pulling out the money at the worst possible moment. That's the problem with indexing. We actively advocate for indexing for people who may not be comfortable with the volatility that is uh, usually what is happening when we're investing. We're more concentrated. But we actively advocate for indexing because if you stick to it, if, if you stick to any whatever strategy you choose, the key is sticking to it through both good and bad times. Make frequent contributions or make frequent distributions. Be consistent in the frequency thereof. That is the key. You have to ride it out through the bad. You have to enjoy it while it's good. But you have to be consistent in the application of the strategy and the application of your execution of the strategy. That is paramount. And that goes for any strategy that you utilize. That's probably a great time to start wrapping some of that up is I think that's a lesson that we can use in a lot of places. And we do talk often about how the application is often missed uh, in so many different ways. And I hope that with that engineer, you just offered a smile because I don't think there was anything else you could offer to that person. There wasn't. Any, I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't say anything else. You I mean beyond the, the obvious, but I couldn't do that. Since you're on a roll here, though, is there anything else you kind of want to leave them with? Any other tidbits? I'm just going to reread this quote because it's, Do it. it's good. Basically, price fluctuations have only one significant meaning for the true investor. They provide him with an opportunity to buy wisely when prices fall sharply and to sell wisely when they advance a great deal. At other times, he will do better if he forgets about the stock market and pays attention to his dividend returns and to the operating results of his companies. He should always remember that market quotations are there for his convenience, either to be taken advantage of or to be ignored. He should never buy a stock because it has gone up or sell one because it has gone down. Those are the great words of Benjamin Graham from The Intelligent Investor. So be conscious of what does a market consist of. Be aware of who, why you're, what the reasons why you're buying or selling. And be conscientious that whoever you're buying and selling from has their own reasons. For selling or buying from you. Always remember, be rational because I can guarantee you that everybody else around you is irrational. Tim's professor has not, not got the second point there. Speaking of which, uh, Tim, any other thoughts you want to share with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a couple thoughts. First off, I think Nathaniel has a, uh, if he needed a second career, I think reading books, audiobooks would be excellent. Your voice is very nice and smooth. Um, Thank you, Tim. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, outside of that, I, I'm going to kind of go off a little bit of the beaten path and maybe talk what we haven't really addressed, but I think that it's very relevant to this conversation because we just talked about price versus value. And I really think Nathaniel did an excellent job trying to explain the difference because it's not an easy concept. The words are easy, but what underlie, the underlying concept of each word is kind of difficult. But I think this applies to more than just the stock market. We are talking about an asset. An asset can be a car, an asset can be a house, an asset can be a stock. We are talking about things that fluctuate in price and that's in the secondary market. If you go back to the biblical times, you know, you're trading rocks for essentially Goat cattle. Team. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, this, it's literally the same thing that we've been doing, humans have been doing for thousands of years. 
And what's the reason why I bring that up is because going back to the house example, if you're going to put money into your house, don't assume that you put just because you did an upgrade on your kitchen for 30 grand means the market's going to give you 30 grand for that, right? You have market constraints. The market is going to pay what the market is going to pay. You have no control over certain aspects of it. You, you know, and it's market conditions and depending on where you're at. And sometimes you're forced in forced selling in different areas. So the reason why I bring that up is that it's about positioning yourself to recognize that you're not in control to a certain degree. Mm. Just because you think that you it's worth something, psychologically speaking, you probably think what you have is worth more than the person next to you or your neighbor or someone else. Right there, you're already losing. You're already losing the game right from the get-go. So recognizing and being aware that this is a scenario allow you to be more rational, as Nathaniel likes to say. And it allows you to just be honest and start playing the game the right way. Because now you're more armed with all the information, which a lot of that is qualitative. You've got to recognize the market's going to pay what the market's going to pay. And that doesn't mean if you're buying a car, a house, a stock. It doesn't matter. You're in a market. And it's a, it's a trade between one person and another. So that's all I, I really have to add to that. So, Dan, you're the last one to uh, kick us off. What do you got? We started with a quote. We'll end with a quote then. Quote here, Warren Buffett, who also attributes this quote to Benjamin Graham. Price is what you pay, and value is what you get. Bam. That was a good one. Well, thanks, guys. And thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. Thank you for taking the time to start your journey of thinking differently and listening to LBW talk about stuff they love. Until next time. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual on any specific security, on any specific broker-dealer or custodian. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry to determine which investments broker, dealer, or custodian may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinion of Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management, LLC. Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Leach, Bickmore, and Weiss Wealth Management LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.